it's really hard for somebody to understand how bad you want something or how much you're willing to work for something if they don't understand what it takes to get there. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was, was a moment to change my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I got a chance to sit down and catch up with Max Cutler, owner of Thrive Athletics, and he just competed at the Mid-Atlantic CrossFit Challenge a couple weeks ago. So I wanted to get him on to talk about the competition mindset, but we actually dove deeper into the inner workings of his gym and kind of just hit on all the things that we left out on the first episode that we did together. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. Max is one of the hardest working and smartest guys I know. So I'm glad to have him on the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, when we did what it was February when we did the original podcast. February of 2019. 2020. I think it was 2020. Oh, yeah. It had to be. Right before yeah. COVID. Yeah. Right before COVID. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, who knew what yeah. was about a, a to happen? A month before the world was about to shut down. Yeah, that was wild. So what was that time like for you, man? I mean, um, I know we talked about this a little bit personally, but, yeah, but what so, happened? Uh, we were training at Westchester Weightlifting once a week to get ready for the Mid-Atlantic CrossFit Challenge, like coincidence enough that uh, we ended up doing a year later, way different, way harder qualification process. Um, but that ended up getting canceled and led to a lot of different stuff but yeah that was probably the last time we were i was training up at westchester once a week yeah and then you went what like three months without training at all yeah so the mac that year in 2020 um was getting kept getting postponed so actually at the beginning of covid we were training about four or five hours a day um Majestic was living at my house because we didn't know if covid was gonna like take over the planet or not um, so Katie was like, you're not allowed to leave. So we just, she lived with us and we trained. And then once it officially got canceled, which was like, uh, the end of April, we stopped working out for a while just because life kind of took over. Right. Um, as far as owning the gym, we were really just focused on making sure we still had funds coming in and, and membership. Um, and that kind of just took over our life at that point. So training took a massive back burner. Um, not that we weren't taking care of it while we were still training because we had nothing else to do. We were just training and working on the gym and making sure everybody was still kind of up to it while we were working out from home. We, um, we kind of did like one of the scariest things ever in, in the world of owning a gym. We gave every piece of equipment away as soon as our gym shut down in March. Um, and we individually programmed for every single member, um, which was arguably one of the hardest and scariest things ever because we let like a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment leave our gym um literally the only thing in our gym like we didn't even have mats really it was just the rig was still on the ground but there was not a single kettlebell or wall ball or dumbbell in the gym uh, or barbell or plates um or rowers skis bikes everything was gone um and then we just individually programmed for every single member based off of what they had um and we didn't lose a single person during covid which in my opinion is why why that happened because i know a lot of gyms that took a massive hit but with that being said, once our competition got canceled, we totally went all in again on that, right? And at that point, we were almost three months into shutdown. So even though people had equipment and they had a $1,000 rower, so we thought a $165 membership would be worth it, uh, it's still scary at that point because people were losing their jobs. And how do you expect people to pay for a place they're not coming to? Three months, right? One month is okay. Two months is still scary. But three months is really scary. Um so we went all in on that. And then by the time we opened back up, it was kind of just all hands on deck trying to get new members and trying to get people to join the gym and trying to keep the gym clean with COVID protocols. And um, when we first opened back up, we only had six people in a class just because that's what people felt comfortable with. And that was really scary because we could only have 36 people or whatever it is, 42 people a day, technically class wise. Um, we did open up open gym all day, which helped keep people at the gym. But Summertime is always the hardest for a gym anyway because people are away, and that was some of the hardest months ever. So that was why we stopped training, really, why I stopped training. Um, and then getting back into it, I didn't get back into it until uh, mid-October, actually. 
uh, of 2020. So that was kind of when I jump started training back up and, and just really took the time out to at least work out. I was like rarely working out, like doing anything. Um, so like just an hour to an hour and a half a day and, and which will kind of lead us into the, probably the next part of the conversation is, is kind of just what happened and what, what I was able to do. And that's just kind of what followed for the rest. Yeah, the really cool thing that you guys did as well is do the at-home workouts on Instagram. And what I noticed is, like, they were every single day. I think there were a lot of gyms who did it for a week or two, and then, you know, maybe you didn't see the value from it. So you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to stop doing that. Yes. And you guys just kept at it. So super good point, right? So um, not only were we individually programming for every single person in the gym, um, we were giving away a bodyweight workout, obviously on our Instagram, a dumbbell workout, and then a kettlebell workout every day as well on our Instagram. Um, and we saw zero value from that, right? I Zero dollar signs. Um, we ended up getting over a thousand followers on our gym Instagram from that actually. Um, and it kind of took off and it was really cool to have people all over the world kind of just like hopping in and just like messaging us and doing the workouts and it's one of the main reasons why we kept doing it was because we had so many people that really appreciated it and it just became something that like it just felt good to do and it felt awesome to have like just random people message you and be like hey like over in california like thanks so much like i really appreciate this and it was cool right and, and we definitely probably uh i don't say definitely probably we probably could have turned that into some dollar signs by putting out some stuff um, which we kind of did with a dumbbell program and stuff with uh, the physical therapist that were at the gym. Um, but it was just not the right time for us to kind of do that. We were more worried about the people inside of the gym before we could start worrying about people outside of the gym. Yeah, that, and that takes a good mindset to like say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, especially for three months at a time, like I'm going to do this, I'm not going to see basically anything where outside people would say a value from it Correct. but you're no just going to still do it yeah yeah 100 percent. so i guess we'll just walk through when was the open was it uh, uh so the open was in march this year so they bumped it back a few weeks usually in february but it was in march so you got like five months of training in yeah so the open so this process right so we can kind of talk about this before we get into like the competitive side of things they changed the whole process this year uh previously when i said i qualified for the mac in 2020 it was a a, an online qualifier for the Mac. So it wasn't through the open. Um, it was actually directly through the mid Atlantic CrossFit challenge, which was, I don't want to say easier to qualify for, but it was easier to qualify for. It was still really hard. Um, uh, but there wasn't as large of a field. There was only a few hundred people signed up and we had to finish top 20 in that, right? Which I was able to do in 2020. Um, this year they brought the open down to three weeks. Um, instead of five, they took, uh, they made it more of a community thing. And they took a, a little bit less of the stress off the athletes, like a competitive athletes. Um, and they took top 10% in your, they called it regions, but it's really just continents. So North America was our continent. So Mexico, Canada, and America, they based it off of signups. So we had 75,000 people sign up in the open and top 10% moved on to the quarterfinals. So 7,500 people out of the open moved on to the next stage. And they added the quarterfinals, which is another stage before semifinals. So um, the semifinal stage was, or the quarterfinal stage, excuse me, after the Open was 7,500 people from Mexico, Canada, and America. And then from there, cut down to 120 people. And that's where, like, the big cut was. So realistically, although the Open was in March, the quarterfinals weren't until April. So I knew that realistically i had from october to april to train yeah you were just training for the quarterfinals basically yeah i mean like i'm lucky enough and fit enough and, and i've banked enough fitness that going top top 7500 in north america is not the issue um i knew the 120 would be really close especially for how much i was training at the time um and it was like crazy obviously um because backstory obviously 2018 when it was regionals i finished one spot away um from making it and this year i finished one spot away from making it in the quarterfinals but because of team athletes and backfill athlete or back me being a backfill athlete because of team athletes and masters athletes i got an invite to go top 120 which was awesome so they broke it down into four 30 person competitions um, that we got to choose which ones we went to um, and i chose the mid-atlantic crossfit challenge just because of the people that organize it are just unbelievable at what they do they run an amazing event and they're amazing at programming um and i really wanted to 
to go and see what it was all about. So that's why I chose that one instead of like a different one. So yeah, and like these, all these events are self-funded too, right? So, uh, by these people, yeah. And for you, especially like as the athletes, oh, you're paying your own way. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and that's like a whole nother conversation. Obviously, I think it'll get ironed out in the next few years, but. They moved the open back because of um, because of COVID and a few gyms around the world were not open yet. So they were trying to give them another week or two to see if there would be more gyms open. But they didn't move the semifinal dates. Um, so the time crunch between the quarterfinals and the semifinals and when we actually got invites and all of that was tight, right? I mean, we're talking like two and a half weeks from the time that we got an invite. And it wasn't just me not being a backfill. It was everybody, right? We all got them at the same time. Um to having to book hotels, flights, um, car, food. I mean, you name it, right? I mean, it's all, it's expensive. So yeah, self-funded was, that was like one of the biggest stresses. And I, and I think that it was because I wasn't, I was very unsure of myself and I was very unprepared to say like, okay, I'm going to make this and confident enough to say, I'm going to make this. So I wasn't mentally prepared to spend a couple grand (laughs) up front. Um, obviously well worth it but yeah it was that was like a another massive stressor that in the future i will definitely be prepared for yeah so before you actually got in what was it like when you saw that you were one spot out like did you know right away that you were still going to get in anyway or was it like so i had a way better feeling than 2018 right um and it's funny that you asked that question because in 2018 i like obviously some more backstory but from 2016 to 2018, I, I went all in, right? Like my diet, um, I wasn't dating Katie at the time we had just started dating. So it's a little bit different than it is now. Um, and I was training about three to four hours a day being very selfish without a lot of responsibilities. And I didn't care about much besides making it to regionals. And I put my life into doing that. Um, and this year, like I said, with COVID and only training like 60 to 90 minutes a day, it was more of a, like, I was almost okay with it because I didn't sacrifice as much. And it's kind of, I don't say fucked up to say, but it's like, it's, it's messed up, right? Because I used to have that fire and I felt like I just like, wasn't there, right? Like I was just so, I had so much fitness that have carried, has carried over and I've closed a lot of holes weakness wise that I was able to be 121st in north america which is crazy because people spend time so much time like i know how much time i spent i know there's people that didn't even like were top 200 that didn't get the opportunity that i was going to have um and i was almost okay with it if i didn't make it because i i didn't put the time and i didn't have the investment in if that makes sense yeah so what did training look like for those 60 minutes where you just hitting a strength and a metcon type of thing no so i like um it's funny. Like the reason why I went to Westchester weightlifting in the first place, the reason why we met was because I wasn't lifting and training because after 2018, I had went on a team in 2019 and, and just slowly started taking on responsibilities and things that took up more of my time, which just meant that took up more training time. Right. So, um, strength versus weakness versus holes wise strength is not my weakness. Um, so I just stopped lifting altogether. Right. I, I hadn't followed like a, a routine lifting plan for the short period of time I was at Westchester and before then was like 2017. Um, so I would just do aerobic work cause that's my biggest weakness. Um, I would do some strict gymnastics work cause again, that was another second biggest hole. And then, uh, I would maybe do a Metcon. Um, and that was about it. I, I, I really wouldn't touch a barbell too often. Um, and it was just, it obviously all came to a head. Right. But, um, it was something to where I was just doing what I could with the time that I had. Um, and it was, it was good enough. Right. Yeah. Which just sounds anyone funny. who's like 120 to 150 is like, are you serious? Well, you yeah, for this, a, thou- a thousand percent. Right. And it's so messed up. Right. Cause, uh, the feeling of being there was just weird. Right. Like after the first day. Um, yeah. I mean, so like break that down. Like what's it like when you get there, especially as did you feel like, since you were the last athlete to to go in where you kind of like maybe i don't belong here maybe so, i shouldn't so be. it's interesting i ended up being like 110 or, or 109 108 because of all the people that backfilled so i was the first person in but i wasn't like all the way up until like 130 got in gotcha. um so it was like a weird feeling right um there's a lot to like unpack there but it was i was excited because i had just the amount of time that I spent from 2016 to 2018, it just felt like it had, it was like 
like, yeah, this is what you worked for kind of thing. But it was also, I've only trained 60 to 90 minutes and this is what these people do. Do you know what I mean? Like the, there were two clear group of athletes there. Um, one that were there to win and wanted to go to the CrossFit games. And there were athletes that just were there to post on Instagram or were just happy that they made it. Um, they still put the time in they still train really hard, but it's just a different feel. Um, and just like the whole vibe of that was kind of crazy. That's like more competition side of things, right? We're not really there yet, but like getting there was wild, right? Like, it's just like, you're just like a deer in headlights. Um, and I would say that getting there as late as we did, right? Like the competition started on Friday and we got there Wednesday. Um, and it seems like it's not that late, but as far as like sleep and food shopping and all that stuff goes, it just, everybody that I competed against was there like Saturday or Sunday the week before. So they got into a sleep routine. They got into an eating routine. They trained a few days there. Um, and they weren't, they were kind of just desensitized to the whole situation as to where I got there Wednesday night. We went food shopping. We were so kind of pumped up to be there. We was excited to be there with Blaine and Katie and like, um, we got to basically just like hang out and we didn't go to sleep till late on Wednesday. And then Thursday you're walking around the venue and like going through all this stuff and you're still like excited. You don't really sleep going into Friday and it, and it just seemed like it all just kind of like happened so fast. Do you know what I mean? And it was just, um, I don't know if you can relate on like a weightlifting side of things, like the first time you went to like a big competition or something, but it just seemed like there's all these people that you've looked up to. Um, not to say that the Mac was the hardest. I, I would say that it was just because of that caliber of athlete that was there, but so you're just, you're, a, you're competing with the best people in the world. And it was just something to where I'm good enough to compete with them, but being there and like not feeling as prepared was definitely a scary feeling. I always feel like the now regionals is gone, but like the regional caliber athlete is the hardest place to be in. Cause when you get to the games, it's like, okay, you're a games athlete. You start to get sponsorships. You had your time is just looks a lot different. Yes. And then you, as the outsider looking in, you're still running a gym. You're still doing all these things outside. And it's like, Hey, this is my hobby right now. Yeah. So it's like to take that next step. Maybe once you get there, it's like, okay, now I, now I have some time to breathe, but in between like these athletes and you, especially like you don't have time to be, adding in and you need to sleep you need to eat good and you also need to make money you need to make sure your gym is in absolutely. the right spot absolutely yeah i mean it's um and i would say that regionals was definitely different than this scenario just because the athletes that were there everybody is doing it everybody is training three to four hours a day everybody is sleeping everybody is eating everybody is making the sacrifices to be there and that was probably the biggest thing that i took away from that right i'm sure we'll get into that but like that was something that was so eye-opening like it no matter what their jobs were no matter what they did it was just something that this is a part of their life and this is currently what they're doing right there was really no excuses it was no i own a gym it was no this it was just this is what i do right and like that's why i'm here and i'm here to be the best in the world like i said there were two clear groups of athletes but in order to get there you have to be doing those things do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's there's no one there who's just, yeah. hey, I'm taking class at yeah. the gym and then that's I not, get that, there by accident. That's not a thing anymore, right? Um, and it was – that was probably the most eye-opening experience, right? Like through day one, obviously the snatch is not my best lift out of all lifts that we could have possibly done. And that was the first lift. And to feel so inadequate doing something like that was unbelievable, right? Because we had six or seven guys snatch over 300 pounds, right, which is – unbelievable in crossfit competition especially in one place um and 265 was like 23rd place which is crazy to think about um from where it's come from right because 265 probably what in 2012 is like yeah the winning snatch i mean in 2019 285 won the snatch at the mac so in two years 15 pounds yeah. or 20 and pounds. your 20th place yeah and it's unbelievable right um and then to go into almost just like a deer in headlights again, right? Like the first Metcon we did was a, a workout that I should have done really well at with some ski and chest bar. Um, and I paced it out a little bit too much and there's just no room for error, right? Everybody is just so dialed in and so good that I fell behind. I tried to play catch up and I couldn't. And you're going into day two feeling like you don't belong. You know so I mean? before a workout, what are you doing? Like, are you looking at this and being like, this is exactly how I'm going to break this up. Or are you going to going in? Hey, I'm just going to see, see how fast I can go on this. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like obviously 
not training as much definitely changes how you attack workouts, especially in a competition setting. Um, I think the biggest thing was not wanting to blow up on the workout and I probably overpaced um, because a lot of times when you're going into a competition workout, it's different than a workout in the gym, right? When you're working out in the gym, you're just trying to work out and get a really good workout. And if you blow up, it's like, who cares? It's going to end, right? In a competition setting, you're trying to maximize performance and really ride that line, like that threshold line of like blowing up and not blowing up. And you want to, you don't want to finish the workout and feel like you could have done more. Um, and I think that's, something that not true the more you train the more comfortable you are with where that line is and the less you train the less comfortable you are so the workout had 90 chest bars in it which is normally not a big deal for me <laughs> 90 chest bar not was, a big deal but. it was 45 30 15 right which is manageable sets that i can usually do on broken and i overpaced the first set it was a short enough workout that if you overpace you couldn't catch up right and i overpaced and i got down the workout and i was like damn I could have went faster on that. And that's a shitty feeling because it's such a tight window. Everybody there is so good and you have to maximize what you're doing, right? Until you're the best in the world, you really do have to run your own race. So how do you also, you know, you're talking about overpacing that one, but you also have four more events after this. Like, right. How do you balance? That's the experience aspect of things, right? Like where this is my first large competition and and most of the people there besides maybe one or two had been to a large regional competition or Wadapalooza type competition before. Um, and managing those emotions is something that I'm not, I wasn't comfortable with, right? Cause you feel terrible. You're like, damn, I just, just got blown away in the snatch by 35 pounds and, I just miscued on this workout and now I'm, I'm just in a hole. Right. Um, and to go into the next day and feel like you belong is hard. Yeah. It was definitely something where I mentally, I don't want to say checked out because it's just, that's the wrong word, but you're just, you feel like shit, right? You just feel like you're just like treading water at that point. You're just like afraid to blow up. You're afraid to like not perform your best. You're afraid to do all these things and you just, don't execute how you know you could have mm-hmm. right, or how you did in training. Yeah. And that's a shitty feeling to, to go into a workout and knowing that, you know, everyone here is might feel like their best day ever. Yep. And you're going into it like, huh? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was, it was something that by the end of day two, right. So we can kind of get into this, but like, um, my life has been very consumed by coaching, running the gym, um, personal clients, personal training clients, so remote clients and, and in-person clients and and the balance of wanting to be a successful gym owner, wanting to make a lot of money, personal training and programming and wanting to be a competitive CrossFit athlete. And by the end of day two, it was something where I, I've always gone back and forth, especially in the last couple of years, because after 2018, after I didn't make regionals, I started to take on more responsibilities and I stopped being so selfish. And the more you put on your plate, the less time you have to do things that you want to do. And it was something that by the end of day two, I was like, this is what I want to do, even if it's for the next two or three years and, and trying not to put a timeline on it. Cause I was putting like a, if I don't do well this year, I'm, I'm done. Right. Kind of thing. Or do I actually want to train competitively kind of thing? And like, it's something that you just can't do half-assed and I never wanted that unprepared feeling ever again in my life. Um, it was something to where I literally said to Katie and I think for her to see sacrifice without uh, a product to look at was really hard for four years, right? Cause she was with me when I did make it in 2018, but she saw how much I put in, but she also wanted to date and she wanted to go out to eat and she wanted to do all this stuff, which and in turn I needed to do, right. I needed to be a better boyfriend. I needed to be a better, like, just like partner in that sense. Um, but it was just something to where, um, for her to see it in person and see it on the floor. She's like, yeah, I want you to do this. I'm cool. If you are selfish, I'm cool. If you do train on Saturday nights, I'm cool. If you do spend three to four hours in the gym after you're done coaching and training or personal programming and, and, and personal training and, and that's cool, right? Because by I, I felt more comfortable going into the last day. Not that I performed very well, but I felt more confident in my plan for the future. And as soon as we got home, I took a few days and reflected and journaled a bunch and wrote a bunch of stuff down. And we just figured out how it was going to make it work, right? Kind of just reverse engineer financially. What do you need to live? What do you need to be comfortable living? And I'm going to go for it. Yeah, 100%. Because there's no reason why I can't. Those people are all human and they 
they're I'm just as good as them, if not better. I just need to put the time in for it. So the last month has been amazing training wise. I feel really good going into the off season. I feel really good going into this next year. And it's something that I'm really looking forward to and, and seeing it come to fruition. Yeah. And that's the hard part. Like you're, this is for 2022 now. So you're, you know, putting your head down, even though you still have what, nine, 10 months without yeah. actually doing any competitions or even seeing if it's going to work. Yeah. A thousand percent. Right. And, and I think that for me, it's just a time thing. Um, the more time I'm able to spend, I, I think that I'll be able to make up the gaps, right? Because my goal is to go to the CrossFit Games, which is a very scary thing to say because to be top 120 in North America obviously is really freaking hard, and I don't take that for granted, but to be top 40 in the world is way different, right? Because right now, you're basically top 270 in the world is what it shakes out to be. But to go from, obviously, the gaps get smaller and smaller the closer you get to the top, but there's no reason why I can't do that. Um, so what is, what does that look like? Does that look like you don't coach at the gym anymore? Like what priorities are you shifting around? Yeah. So, um, I think it's just being like set. The biggest thing is, is setting better boundaries. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's really setting boundaries with my time more than anything. So it's not that I have to coach much less. It's, it's not that I have to coach less at all. It's, it's not that I have to personal program less at all. It's not that I have to personal train less at all. It's just I need to set better boundaries with my time. Instead of telling a personal training client, hey, I'm free all day, It's these are the times that I'm free, right? Um, instead of taking 10 personal programming clients, it's taking five and really going all in with those five people and giving them my time instead of kind of feeling like I'm just searching for time. Um, and it's just during the day it's it's really being like deliberate with this is my time to work out as opposed to um spending an extra hour and a half with the last class that's there hanging out talking and just like not that that's a wrong thing to do like building our community and, and all of that at the gym but if i want to do this they understand that and they support me in that and i just need to like get to work right and um and i would say that one of the big things i did in 2017 was get out of my gym, uh, which I've been doing at least once a week, twice a week now, um, because it is hard to work out when people are asking questions, right? Like the conversation we had before we got on um, about your coach and he's coaching you while while you're working out and while he's working out. And that happens to me as well, right? You're in the gym, people are in there for open gym and they're doing the class workout and they have a few questions. How should I scale this? There's nothing wrong with that. They should have access to me and they should be able to do that. But I need to have like unedited time training without answering questions without doing anything um so that's really it yeah and i think like we talked about this a little bit before but but everyone you know on instagram thought you went to the competition you finished you did a great job and you're like no that's exactly what i don't want it i don't want to have this feeling where i go in unprepared and it's just hey i'm happy to be there but i think people would have would have thought no different of you if you said on day two hey this isn't worth it this isn't actually what i want to be doing like no one would fault you for that but i think it's even you have even more balls for saying like hey i'm not going to finish where i want to at this competition but when i show up back here next year i'm going to go all in and i'm going to make all these changes that i have to make absolutely yeah i think that's like it's so hard and i would say that like this is like sounds like such a, a small world problem but like um the biggest thing that i like didn't want to deal with was like talking to people about the competition right i'm sure you've had a bad meet or something before but it's like oh how'd you do like oh like or, or how was it that looked so amazing and so awesome that you made it there and it's like not the goal do you know what i mean and, yeah. and I, that that's just like a whole nother conversation but like just going and participating is one thing, but like to, to go there, it goes back to the two groups of people that are there. And like, I knew that I want, I know that I want to be a part of the group that's there to win. That's there to compete. That's not there to post on Instagram. And like, I don't use my Instagram as a highlight reel, right? I don't necessarily post negative things, but I don't just post all the positive things. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's not all sunshine, sunshines and rainbows when you're training. And I think that that is so hard for people to see. Um, and I think it's so difficult to explain to somebody when you don't do well at a competition and they're like, oh, that's so awesome that you finished there. It's so awesome that you were on 
whatever the TV and all this stuff. And it's like, well, that's not the point. Right. Yeah. And just knowing you, I know there's nothing that you're going to do in life where you're content to be, to make it. Yeah. I think that's like the hardest thing to grasp with a lot of people is like, well, how do you describe to somebody that what you did was not enough? Or how do you describe to somebody that you want more? Like people always say like, well, when's enough enough. Right. Or like, like you don't need to sacrifice more. Like you already sacrificed so much. And I think that's, that's so hard to grasp for certain people. Um, and I think that the one thing I've learned, I'm sure it's the same thing in weightlifting. I'm, I'm positive. It is, is that as you get closer to the top, the only people that understand you and understand what you're trying to do is the people that are there. Um, it's really hard for somebody to understand how bad you want something or how much you're willing to work for something if they don't understand what it takes to get there. Um, and CrossFit is, is, is like the, the prime, like is the prime sport for that. Right. Because, um, I was listening to bridges and and Matt Frazier talk about this and like how hard, like how hard it is to train CrossFit competitively. Like it's not like training for another sport because like if you're training for another sport, like I trained competitively for football for 10 years and you're, you're just kind of like doing stuff that you're good at and like practicing stuff that you're good at. And like to get really, really uncomfortable every single day and just practice things you suck at every day is so hard. And people are like, well, why are you doing that? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, I'm sure weightlifting's no different. Yeah. And a lot of times it's like, it's not about how, like how good your form is or something. It's like, how much can you suffer during this workout? How yeah. can you, you know, spend 40 minutes on the assault bike and yeah. actually push yourself to where you can just get off and watch TV or something. Right. On a Wednesday in July when I don't have a competition until April or May of next year. Right. And I think that's something that definitely has to come within you from within you. Right. Because there's definitely um, there's definitely something to be said about that aspect of the sport. Yeah, it's definitely goes untalked about because it's super unpopular um, and it definitely is not something that you see on the flyer or something that you see in competition. You're like, yeah, I want to do that. And it's like, well, this is what comes with it. Right. And, and that's. That's what do you feel like when you're so like as me not being able to do any of these workouts RX what's it feel like when you actually get off the competition floor like are you just dying um I think it depends on the workout right like there's and that's like so funny that you say that because the workouts that we did the sport has evolved so much that like there used to be workouts that people could see in competition and try at their own gym you would see a games workout and you're like oh I could do that at my gym let me try that Um, and the workouts that we did were so difficult that people can't even fathom. Like the members of my gym are like, how did you do that? Like, how, how is that even a workout? Right. Um, and like, to answer your question, like you're coming off of the floor and it's like one of the most like surreal feelings in the world because it's like the hardest thing. And like people that program for these competitions are, are really good at their jobs and they do such an amazing job of really pushing the limits of what we are capable of as athletes. And it's like you get like you're just so scared going into the workout because you don't know if it's going to work. Um, and I don't know if that was me just being unprepared or just I mean, I normally don't get that nervous, but you're just so nervous because the workouts are so hard. Um, and like when you finish, it's almost like a release that like you can't explain um, whether it goes well or bad. It's just like, holy shit, that's what we just did. And yeah, like it's done. done. Yeah. yeah. And you sit back at the, at the end of the night because I'm a big person of like watching film and I love watching like rewatching workouts and stuff. So Blaine and I sat down every night and we rewatched the workouts. Um, like we watched the reruns and it's just something to where you're like, holy shit, like sitting on the couch, you're like, how do we just do that kind of thing? Like you almost can't believe that that was like the state of mind that you're in while you're doing it is just you can't really go there unless you're there. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And uh, we'll just like flip flop a little bit because I feel yeah. like you're living a double life at this point. You're on the competitive side of fitness and then your gym, Thrive Athletics, is not a competitive CrossFit gym. You don't have a lot of members who are going to ever be doing these workouts. You're never going to program them Cor- for them. Correct. So this is like hilarious, right? Because uh, we've grown a decent amount in the last year since we've opened back up from COVID and I had over 30 members at least that had never seen me work out, right? Like they like never seen me work out because they either came to morning classes or night classes and I was done with training or I just didn't hop into class or whatever it was. So like when that was on the TV at the gym, they're like, holy shit, 
like I didn't know you did that. I mean, I thought the same thing when I when I'm seeing <laughs> like the weights and stuff that yeah. you're using. I'm like, it, Max does like doesn't train that much. Yeah, exactly. And it was like in that aspect is so crazy, right? Because like I do my very best to never like I don't want to say never work out with class because I think that's wrong. I think that would be taken the wrong way. But I try and be a coach when I am in front of the members. Like I don't want them to see me as an athlete. I don't want them to see me as a competitive CrossFit person i don't want them to um ever not be able to ask me a question or feel like intimidated by that because although that's not what it is people do get that stigma from it right so um i never want people to ever have to worry about that like they're like we talked about before we we're on air it's like we have maybe three people in the gym like i think i'm pretty sure it's three people that compete competitively right and like other than that people have no idea what competitive crossfit is in our gym and i'm totally cool with that like they are there to look good. They're there to be healthy. They're there to be happy around like-minded people in a community that gets it. Um, and that's awesome. That's what I've wanted to build for a long time now. And I think we're almost there. Um, and it's something that it is a double life, right? Like you said, I mean, it's just complete opposite of the world that I want to be in. Not that I want to be in that I'm in, um, because I will, do workouts and train with these people that are so good and my members don't care about that stuff which is kind of cool but they also have no idea what it's like and for them to see it was crazy yeah it's almost like bodybuilding how people think bodybuilders are so healthy and yes. you're like hey when they're on stage they're literally at the most unhealthy point they are dying and for you to to get off the competition floor you probably you know you're crushing five guys you're eating yes, all the junk food because you just need calories yeah. at that point and then it's like you're talking to the members about you know no sugar <laughs> not, not and sugar. Uh, yeah sustainable yeah. meat stuff like that yeah. so it's just it's just funny to hear kind of you balance the two at the same time that conversation came up in the gym when we got back and it's so funny cuz they're like it's like what'd you eat like every night and i was like uh like 10 uncrustables and like a pizza and they're like no way i was like yeah dude we bought like four boxes of uncrustables we ate like 50 uncrustables in three days and they're like no way i'm like yeah it's like unbelievable but again that's like a whole different world right and it's like i don't talk about that stuff i don't talk about drinking gatorade in the middle of a session when you're like dying because you don't want people to be like sucking down gatorade when it's when they're like doing an hour workout a day mm -hmm. right so it's like it's definitely double life is the word right <laughs> It's kind of crazy. Is there anything like, have you had to, at any point, has your gym been where it's competitive and you kind of had to shift that to, Hey, we're going to do this, this sustainable long route instead of like, Hey, we're going to push for the open or, you know, everyone kind of ends up getting injured at that point. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that we were at a point. So let me, I don't know how to let me make sure I answer this perfectly. So like we prioritized, movements and format of workouts that would come up in competition um, and we made that the metric that would show people if they were successful or not um, and with that came some really bad just people cared way too much about things that didn't matter how much they were snatching um, how much they could back squat how much they could deadlift um, all that stuff is awesome but that's an expression right it's not your metric um, and I think that's something to where we shifted big time, right? Like, um, we, we got into this a little bit as well, but, uh, earlier before we were on, um, that was probably one of the hardest periods where we, we decided that, um, we were not going to be a competitive gym. And when I say competitive gym, we just weren't going to focus on metrics that would show up in competition or that would stress people to the point if they didn't want to show up because they weren't good at the workout and they weren't going to put up a good enough score that day. Um, it was something that took at least six months um, and it wasn't well received at first. Um, but it's something that over time people appreciate not being injured and they appreciate the care and how much time and effort we put into certain things in our program um, and why we're doing things. Because like Chris Henshaw says, who's one of the best aerobic coaches, in my opinion, in the world, um, I, when I took his course, he always just talked about intention, right? And he always said that anytime you're doing anything in the gym, you need to have intention, right? It's like, why do mindless 
runners always get injured, right? Because they don't have intention in their workouts. And I felt like we were doing things that just didn't have intention. And people were just doing stuff to do it because they felt like they were going to be able to do 20 toes bar in a row. And that should just be an expression, right? It should be a byproduct of the work that you're doing, not necessarily what you're training for. You should be training for life and training to be healthy. And it's something to where when we made that shift, it took a while. Moving to this location helped big time because we gained a bunch of new members that had no background in CrossFit. They had no background of what we used to do. Um, so it is kind of cool, right? I have members in the gym that went through that whole cycle that can do all the movements. They can do muscle-ups. They can do squat snatches. They can do all these cool things. But now they're at a point where they're just cool with being healthy and they're cool with just working out and and feeling good and looking good naked and, and being able to drink on the weekends and, and enjoy their life. Have you found like the byproducts are like they're more in shape though? Like they're still able to do those things even without. So yeah, them? absolutely. And we, we have that discussion all the time. I have a discussion with members that have been around for a while and they talk about it all the time. Like, I can't believe how good I feel and I'm not stressed. Right. Or like uh, I'm enjoying my life a little more. Uh, I might not be tracking my macros year round instead of maybe I just do them like, for a few months a year now because we were on a big kick with all of that stuff too where like we were getting people to eat a shit ton of food and train a lot and they were getting in really good shape and i had this conversation with one of our members the other day it was funny because we were maxing out uh, i think a, like a power clean or something right and it's funny because i know that this girl will never touch her power clean numbers again right and she's okay with that and we had a really funny not funny but interesting conversation about that because she's like yeah, I was eating like 2,500 calories a day and I was training two to three hours on Saturdays and Sundays and I was doing extra lifting during the week and just all those things. And it's like, uh, like we were maxing out and somebody asked her if she hit a PR or something because she hit like a big lift and she was super happy. But she's like, no, it's like 20 pounds under my PR. And like, I'm cool with it kind of thing. She can still do everything, right? She still lifts 135 pounds at like a 120 pound body weight, which is awesome. Um, but it's just it that stuff is so interesting. Yeah, I mean, people feel better. They're still able to do all the movements, right? They might not be able to lift as much weight, which is okay. Um, they're still able to lift way more than everybody their age and and do all the things that they want to be able to do. Yeah, and just I mean, CrossFit in general. Like I talk about it, I feel like on, it's funny because I talk about it so much on the podcast, but I don't even do it that often. Right. But I just know how valuable it is. Like you go into the gym. And maybe this isn't every gym, but since I've been going to Thrive, it's I always leave feeling better than I did when I walked in. I always feel like I have more energy. Yeah. And sometimes, like you said, it might be having an intention. I know like last Friday, super stressful day. I just moved and I just did the workout and I was like, I'm going to nasal breathe the entire time. And there was no point where you said, hey, you should be going faster on this movement or, right. or you need to do something different. It's like hey, this is what you're capable of today, awesome. Yeah. Like, just get it done. And it's interesting, right? Because, like, um, obviously, you've got new experience. Like, obviously, you come, like, a few days a week, and you've got new experience, all the different formats that we roll with. And our our Friday format that we've been rolling with is, is interesting because it's very unlike a lot of gyms, right? Like, we did a five-round for quality workout in class. And I think that, like, what you just said is so interesting because um, – I've had drop-ins before that have dropped in on days like that. And they like are like, so we're not like, we don't want to be laying on the ground after this. I'm like, no, no, no. Like we want to feel good when we leave. And like, we're going to lift some good weight with really good form. And, and that stuff is so interesting to hear you say that. And like people have truly enjoyed leaving the gym, feeling better than when they left, not feeling beat down, not feeling like they couldn't sit in their car. Like they were going to throw up. They couldn't eat dinner that night. Like, they go home and they're like, yeah, that was awesome. I'm going to go back tomorrow and do it again. And like, that is what it's about. And I always thought like you either worked hard or you didn't. There's a fine balance between, hey, you're still working hard. You're still sweating and moving and you're going to be in a better spot tomorrow. But it's also, yeah. hey, you don't have to push this much. So it's interesting. Yeah, because like um, results definitely don't come as fast, right? Because in my opinion, stress, like not my opinion, Stress creates adaptation, right? And intensity works. But there is a fine line between what is necessary and what's not. Um, if we can get to the same end goal, but it might take six months instead of three months, it's worth it if you're not injured and you're not run down and you don't feel like shit every day. Um, and that's something to where I had to be okay with that. 
and our members had to be okay with that um and it was definitely a learning curve because it's like hey you are going to lose that weight but it might take a year and a half to two years instead of six months and that's okay it's like more sustainable to me that sounds like such a simple concept but i feel like if you're speaking about the general population but why wouldn't I just get surgery or why can't I do this faster? Why can't I just cut my calories more or work harder and I'll get the results? Yeah. Like we say this all the time at the gym, but like if you can't do what you're doing right now, nutrition and fitness wise for the rest of your life, you need to change what you're doing. Right. Um, and it's something that we stress a lot at the gym. Like that, that term, that, that saying is something that it just needs to run through your mind all of the time when you're like, should I use this weight? Should I do this extra workout? Should I do X? And like, sometimes the answer is yes, but most of the time the answer is no. Cause it's like, Hey, what I'm doing right now, I want to do this for the rest of my life. In theory, if I scale appropriately, I should be able to do CrossFit for the rest of my life. And I should be able to do it this way for the rest of my life. And if I can't do that and I can't eat the way that I'm eating right now, it's like, what am I actually doing? Am I doing more harm than good? Right. And like, that is something that, is hard for the general population to grasp. And it's something that I don't preach as much as I used to, right? I used to think I could save everybody. And I used to preach it to anybody that would listen. And I used to always get into arguments with people. And it's something to where I've totally shifted my feelings on it because I just put my energy towards the 100 plus people in our gym that are are willing to take the time. And, and if we get a few every month that are willing to, to start that journey, it's worth it. Um, as opposed to just being like, talking to people that are like well why can't i lose this 50 pounds next year that's like well that's just not in the cards um or in the next month right like that's just not in the cards this month yeah it's so uh, funny at least not here yeah 100 percent. and i used to i used to hashtag on instagram like pictures of my food and i always said not hard because i would always eat vegetables rice and like chicken or whatever yeah. and i'm like it's not that hard i don't understand why people can't do this and then just as you, you know, you get a job, you have everyday stresses, you might, I don't have kids, you don't have kids, but there's a lot of people at the gym who do have kids. And it's like, hey, you don't have an hour or two hours to go to the gym anymore. You might have, especially during COVID, you might've had 15 minutes to get something in, you're super stressed out and uh, just, it is hard sometimes. Uh, like, I totally, totally agree. hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's something to where I... I was helping Katie out with nutrition coaching and it's one of the reasons why I stopped was because I never understood why people just weren't listening to me, right? Like I was nutrition coaching for Katie's business and I would tell these people to eat stuff and I would tell them what to change in their diet and they wouldn't do it and they would, wouldn't lose weight or they wouldn't like feel better. And I'd be like, well, yeah, I told you that. Like, I don't understand what the issue is. Right. And again, that's like going into like staying in my lane. Right. Um, that's why Dana and Katie do what they do and we do what we do. Um, but it's like, uh, I those real world stressors are something that I didn't understand, right? I couldn't comprehend how you would just take care of yourself. And I have more of an understanding it now with the experience I have with the people in the gym, obviously, and, and just people have real life stressors, right? People have COVID's really obviously opened my eyes to everything, but it's like you're in a situation where you're working from home, your kids are at home and you're working more now because you're on the computer and it's at your house instead of at an office and your kids are more needy than ever because they're bored or they're tired or whatever it is. And you're like, holy shit, this is hard. You're let me just order pizza kind of thing. Yeah. And I get that. And sometimes that's, it is what it is. Right. But it's like making the conscious hard decision. Like one of my personal training clients who's also one of my closest friends has five kids. Right. And he works, he's a barber and he works a, a, a lot of hours and, and weird hours. And he just recently started, making time to come into the gym right coming to thrive uh, every day it's, we work together every single day at 12 um, and he's down like 25 30 pounds right and we're just now starting to fix the nutrition right but for him the first step was to move because he just wasn't moving at all because he was just standing still all day working he would start at 5 a.m 6 a.m and he would go home and have five kids and that's real life right like that is just that's as real as it gets and he just didn't have the time and now that he's making the time, he's realizing, okay, how can I start slowly start to dial other stuff in? And I think that's like something that I didn't understand. I'm sure you're, it's a learning curve for you as well, but it's like, okay, how do I work with people where they're at versus where I think they should be at? Yeah. And like my eyes, obviously during this past year and a half have been completely opened up too. And I view you and Blaine 
as way more important than a doctor. Like you go to the, I go to my family doctor, we have a two minute conversation, I get an antibiotic and you go to the gym and it's like, hey, these guys, they're not even allowed to work right now, but they're the ones who are actually fixing the problems. Yeah. And we don't have to get into that. Yeah, that's, a, that's a whole another can of worms that we can open on another date. <laughs> um, but we can, we can kind of touch on that just a little bit. Yeah, I mean that, like doctors save the world, right? Like they are literally like saving people's lives every single day. Um, and that's not to discredit that, right? Like at all. Um, but there's something to be said about taking care of yourself. Um, and taking responsibility for your health that was really hard for me in this last year to watch people not do. I'm sure you're in the same boat. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that is something that I'm hoping will be kind of changed in the, in the near future. Right. I think I, I really want to say that people have are starting to realize at least some people more than were before what actually goes into taking care of yourself and, and the benefit and, and what it looks like at least from a day-to-day -day standpoint from taking care of yourself and obviously how dangerous it was in the last year to be unhealthy, right? Yeah, one of the, the coolest posts I saw was that you are your best doctor. So, like, you going to the gym, you eating well, that's the best thing that you can possibly do. And obviously I don't want to, you know, discredit anybody who, yeah, yeah. who actually needs help. But, I mean, you guys, just as a gym, I love what you're doing. Yeah, I Is there, that. Um, Where can people go if they want to, you know, follow on Instagram or actually go physically to yeah, your location? Yeah, so follow us, Thrive Athletics. We're in Wilmington, Delaware, right next to the Concord Mall on 202. Um, the easiest way is just to shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram or my Instagram is just MaxColor19. Shoot me a message. Um, yeah, I mean, we do classes. We do personal training. We have... 24-hour access open gym um and it's really just trying to create a better life for people right to go into that it's just an hour a day that hopefully is better than everything else yeah not yeah. that hard <laughs> no it's not that hard <laughs> well thanks for coming on man this yeah, is awesome appreciate you man once again thanks so much to max for coming on the show i feel like i learned something new every single time i get the chance to talk to him and also special shout out to him and his fiance Katie. They just got engaged this weekend, so congratulations to both of them. If you guys want to follow Max on Instagram, it will be linked up right in the show notes at MaxCutler19 and also his gym at Thrive Athletics. If you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure to tell your friends, share it out on your Instagram story. That is the biggest help that you can do for the podcast. So I appreciate all the support. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you next week.